Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Welcome to Season 9 of Next Question with me, Katie Couric. I've got some big news to share with you in our season premiere featuring the one and only Chris Jenner. Oh my gosh, congratulations. That is very, very exciting. And that's just the beginning. We'll also be joined by podcast host Jay Shetty, Hillary Clinton, Renee Fleming, Liz Cheney, and many more. So come on in, take a break from the incessant negativity for a weekly dose of fascinating conversations. Some of them, I promise, will actually put you in a good mood. Listen to Next Question with me, Katie Couric, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. I'm Hillary Clinton, and this is You and Me Both. During my time as Secretary of State, I encountered firsthand the challenges of managing multiple crises across the globe. You know, every conflict requires your attention. Every opportunity requires your attention. And it all happens at the same time. Success in the job means being able to balance it all while never losing sight of the bigger picture. And while the world is rightly focused now on the horrific violence that erupted in the Middle East because of Hamas's inhumane attack on Israelis, men, women, children, babies, while that crisis is continuing, we also have to stay focused on Russia's brutal and barbaric war against Ukraine, which rages on. Ukrainians need our help. You know, back in September, I had the opportunity to join with leaders, activists, and philanthropists at the annual meeting of the Clinton Global Initiative, what we call CGI in New York. Together with First Lady Olena Zelenska, we announced the launch of a CGI Ukraine Action Network. That's a coalition of partners committed to supporting the people of Ukraine. Since its invasion of Ukraine in February of 2022, Russia has violated all the rules of engagement, committed war crimes and genocide. Thousands and thousands of Ukrainian civilians have been injured and killed indiscriminately, and thousands of Ukrainian children have been kidnapped. In the face of this violence and devastation, people of goodwill all around the world are stepping up helping to support the humanitarian crises on the ground. I want to share with you my conversations with two such people who are making an incredible difference. Both of my guests today have been doing everything they can to support the people of Ukraine 
in their brave and necessary fight to defend their homeland, to defend their freedom, to determine their own future. And both are members of our CGI Ukraine Action Network through their respective organizations. Later, I'll be talking with actor and director Liev Schreiber, who co-founded Blue Check Ukraine, an organization that he will tell us about. But first, I want to introduce you to Olga Rudneva. Since Russia first invaded Crimea back in 2014, Olga has been working to support veterans, women, and to train paramedics there. Following Russia's full-scale invasion in 2022, Olga and two partners quickly saw the need for another vital service, providing prosthetic limbs along with rehabilitative services to the hundreds of soldiers as well as civilians who have lost their limbs in this terrible war. And so they created the Superhumans Center, a rehabilitation clinic that does just that. As CEO, Olga brings her invaluable skills as a leader and an entrepreneur. But you know, even more impressive to me, as you'll hear, is the courage and humanity she brings to this very difficult and emotionally challenging work. I am honored to be speaking with her. So, Olga, welcome to you and me both. And I had the honor of seeing you at the Clinton Global Initiative uh, in September in New York City recently. Where am I talking to you now? Right now I'm in Kiev, and we just survived a very hard night of rocket attacks on Odessa. Um, so it was a lot of air sirens during the nighttime, uh, but I'm in Kiev for the next couple of days and then back to Lviv to Superhuman Center. Well, I'm sorry that you and every other person in Ukraine has to continue to uh, suffer from this terrible war. But there are so many Ukrainians who are doing everything they know to do, and you're one of them. And I want you to tell our listeners about the organization that you and others have started called Superhumans. What is it, Olga? Uh, First of all, I want to say, please do not feel sorry for us. We know what we are fighting for. We are fighting for our freedom, independence, and the right to be country. So please be proud of us, and we need support. You know, we we can win this war, but we can't win it without external support. Um, a year ago, we decided to look what we can do today for tomorrow, because we were doing at the beginning of war with my partners, the Humanitarian Warehouse, where we are helping foreigners who collected humanitarian aid to bring this aid to Ukraine and distribute that amongst those who need it. So we thought, okay, what else can we do? Because we couldn't sleep, we couldn't eat normally. The only thing that you can do is work hard, you know, to to help your country. And we realized that losing claims and amputation is going to be very big problem. So Andrei Stavnitsar said, let's do the prosthetic center and uh, we will do the apprentices for people who lost their limbs. We will do rehabilitation and we will provide psychological support. So with this picture in mind, we started building superhumans in Lviv and we built it over four and a half months during the full-scale invasion and we opened our doors on April 15th. Well, it's an extraordinary story and I am in great admiration of what you and others have done. You know, I served in the United States Senate with 
Danny Inouye, a Medal of Honor winner during World War II who lost his arm. And I remember having a long conversation with him about that. And I'll never forget him saying, you know, I could have not just lost an arm, but lost my life, even if I'd stayed alive. But the people who took care of me, who gave me the support, who taught me how to dress myself and how to do day-to-day activities, they gave my life back to me. Exactly. You know, 60% of those people who get their prothesis never use them because they actually don't know how to use nobody taught them. And then we realized that, I know it's it sounds weird, but we don't need legs and we don't need arms. We need legs to come somewhere and arms to grab something, to hold something, to give a hug to someone. So we need to give the reason for these people to leave their apartments so they will wear their prosthesis. That was a point where we added one more service to Superhuman Center, the service of finding new roles for our patients, giving them not only new arms or legs, but giving them a new life, bring them back to the economical system, to the civil life and to their families. It's a big challenge you're facing. I mean, you do have thousands of Ukrainian civilians, even children, as well as your brave soldiers needing prosthetics. And it's important to underscore that part of the reason you have so many injuries is how absolutely evil the Russians have been in their placement of bombs and mines. Is that correct? Absolutely. There are two issues that Ukraine is facing. The first one is mines. They are all over Ukraine. 40% of Ukrainian territory is mined. And, you know, we often say that if the war over tomorrow, it'll take us years to demine. And also mines are very tricky. You know, sometimes they look nice or they are uh, hidden in children's toys. In my own house, it was in the washing machine. Andrei Stavnitzer had it in his house at the kitchen, so they are targeted at civilians. That's one issue. Another issue, Russians are targeting paramedics and medics at the front lines. Medics are very often to be killed first, so they can't save lives. And medic evacuation cars, they are targeted by Russian. So that means the person who was wounded, even with a minor injury, they put tourniquets very high. And then it takes sometimes 10 hours by his or her comrades to take the person out to the stabilization point. During these 10 hours, you just lose your hand up to the shoulder. And that brings us multiple amputations. It brings us high amputation. They're very expensive to deal with, and they are very difficult to, you know, to, to teach this person to walk or to operate with a new hand. So that's two issues. And it's, it's a barbarian approach because every war has some rules. This war doesn't have any rules. Russians breaking the rules all the time. They don't care about civilians. They target press when they see that it's media. Uh, they target paramedics and they don't care about children. And that's the war, you know, we are surviving for a year and a half already. It's really important to me to stress that as terrible as war is under any circumstance, which we all understand, the attitude of the Russians led by Putin is genocidal. I mean, he wants to wipe out the Ukrainian people because you've had the courage, the temerity even, to stand up and defend yourselves. And so nobody is safe. There's no mercy shown. There's no rules. So violating every 
convention, the Geneva Conventions on War, everything one can imagine. And it's why I want Americans to realize that your war is our war. Your fight is our fight. But, you know, Olga, you set this up so quickly. How did you do it? First of all, you were building it in the middle of a war and you were equipping it and you were recruiting personnel for it. How were you able to get all that done in such a short period of time? Uh, I should say, you know, huge thanks to American people. <laughs> you know, we have amazing donor, Howard Buffett uh, Foundation. Howard was the first person who trusted in us. And we told him we want to do that. And he took the most difficult part, which is, you know, building and reconstruction and equipment. He said, okay, you do the work. You know, I'll cover expenses. And yeah, we did reconstruct that in four and a half months, equip that, you know, understanding that we need to act you know, as fast as possible. I remember Christmas Day when all construction workers said they're not going to work because it's a holiday. So we said, okay, we will bring you to the installation of bionic arm. For construction workers, losing the arm is actually, you know, the end of the world. So they saw the guy who lost the arm and we were installing this bionic arm and we said, listen, we have to install it in the corridor, literally. And they said, okay, we, we understand. And they all went to the construction site and they all worked all holidays, including Christmas Day, because they realized what we are doing and why we are doing and the most important for whom we are doing that. So that helped us, you know, this motivation and the fact that everyone on the construction site knew what they do and why they do that helped us to be very quick. And uh, when we started hiring the team and we realized that it's not enough just to build amazing center and bring the best equipment, we don't have expertise in Ukraine. So we started training specialists all over the world and the world was very open. They said, okay, some came to Ukraine, some ac accepted us. So we trained the team starting like from February. And on April, we were ready to open our doors and we already at that time had 300 patients in line. Right now we have have 800 patients in line waiting for their prosthesis. And how many people have you treated since you've been open? Since mid of April, we installed 200 prosthesis. Great. But it's important to say that we are dealing with the most difficult cases. Right. It's a lot of people who got rejection from other centers because of very high amputations, double, triple amputations. We have a patient in Ukraine, he was told in Ukraine and abroad that he's probably will never ever going to walk. And I see him walking on a daily basis. <laughs> I mean, he's absolutely, I see him planking. He is double amputee. Planking? He is planking. <laughs> I, I will send the video. He is literally, he's planking and he's doing, you know, his abs. And I look at him, he is absolutely amazing. He's already uh, going out on the street. And every time I ask him, is it difficult? He's like, no, I'm fine. I'm going to walk. So he is an amazing inspiration for me. So we take difficult cases. These patients are with us for more than a month, very often. And I wish we could do more prothesis. But who would look after difficult cases? Who would mm -hmm. look after cases where people had psychological problem? Because we had several patients and they were feeling pain all the time. And yeah. we couldn't, you know, we had this civilian lady. She was in a bus from her son. Out of eight people, four were killed. So she survived. 
We brought her to Germany at that time, and she said, I can't wear a prosthesis because it's, and I'm feeling pain because of burns. We brought her to Kiev, and then psychologist said that she has psychogenic pain. She thinks she's in pain, but she's not. And the problem was, she's from Kherson. Her house was fully burned out, and she was afraid that as soon as we install her prosthesis, we discharge her, she has to go back home, and there is no home. And her, you know, mind was thinking that she is in pain. So we helped her to find a job. We found her place to live. She's wearing prosthesis. She's 56. She's happy. She reunited with the family. She's living in the western part of Ukraine. You know, that kind of support people need here. Sometimes it's just to talk with a psychologist. So lots of stories, lots of stories. We're taking a quick break. Stay with us. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Check the backseat. Check the backseat. All right, come here. Check the backseat. Gets in your head, right? Good. Because every year, dozens of children are forgotten in the backseat of a car by a parent or caregiver. All never thought it could happen to them. But with changes in routines, distractions, or a sleeping child, it can happen to anyone. Parked cars get hot fast and can be deadly. So get it in your head. Check the backseat. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. Hi there. I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. This week, I'm talking to the one and only Ryan Seacrest. Love the connection to people. I think at the core, what I get excited about, what gets me up in the morning, is connecting with people. In an unscripted, unvarnished way, is getting to, to say something to them, hear back from them, know that I'm part of the routine, and I look forward to getting on the air. I look forward to it. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark, more than ever. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. You know, the courage of the Ukrainian people has been tested time and time again. How do you keep that energy how do you keep being resilient? You know, every one of us as human beings, you know, we get exhausted. We get tired. How do you keep going? Uh, the first thing, again, we know what we are fighting for. It's very important. We just, we just know what we are fighting for. I think this is the most important thing that, you know, we understand that we are fighting for our right to speak our language, for our right to wake up in our country, in our cities, in our houses, and... Uh, we want to have the right to go on Maidan if we don't like our government. You know, that's Ukrainians. <laughs> that's democracy. That's freedom. That's, yeah. yeah. You know, for the Russians, I guess it's going to be very big tragedy after the war. People don't know what are they fighting for. 
I agree with you that there is going to be some kind of reckoning. I don't know what it is, but there will be some reckoning inside Russia. So how do you see the next year for superhumans? Are you trying to get more funding? Are you trying to build satellite offices? Are you trying to recruit more people? First of all, we are launching one more service, which is reconstructive surgery. Mm -hmm. We have people who literally lost their faces, and losing your face is like losing your identity. So one more service restoring faces, ability to breathe, ability to see, ability to hear. And we want to scale up. Uh, We are looking at uh, five more regions. I'm not sure we're going to do five more next year, but at least two more, because we need to provide services closer to the places where our patients are. Ukraine is a very big country. We mm-hmm. are at the western part of Ukraine, at the most safe place, uh, but we want to go closer to the front lines to open one more, two more superhumans in 2024. One more service, feeding with a prosthesis more people. Right now we can do 50 patients. It's $1 million only in prosthetic components. It's very expensive things, but we need to do 200, 300 per month because the need is very big. Well, part of the reason I wanted to talk with you is that I have a small understanding because uh, along with the late Senator John McCain, I helped to raise money for the Intrepid Center that does exactly what you're talking about in our country. And it was established to take care of our returning soldiers who had been injured in Iraq and Afghanistan. So I have a uh, a special caring for what you're doing because I know what a difference it can make. As we get close to closing, Olga, what gives you hope for the future of your country? You know, maybe we are over-evaluating, I don't know, the role of Ukraine. But we see right now Ukraine as a country that fights the world evil, which is Russia. If Russia will invade Ukraine, it can do to anyone in this world. So that gives us hope that we have a special mission, you know, to fight for the whole world. And I think that it's probably, it helps, you know, sometimes to feel that you are a hero. Also, these people that I see every day, these people that walk in in a wheelchair and three days later, they walk to me and they hug me. They give me hope. Every time when I tell them, I'm sorry that it happened to you, and they tell me, don't be sorry. I'm very proud of losing my legs because it's my input in the victory of Ukraine. When I hear that, that gives me hope. What else gives me hope? People are delivering kids in this country, you know? (laughs) I was really surprised when I heard about my first friend who was pregnant, and I was like, oh my God, people still want to have kids? And she was like, of course, lives go on. Uh, When I go on the streets, uh, I see food delivery. It gives me hope, you know. Even during air sirens, there is someone cycling, you know, delivering the food because they have to be on time. That gives me hope, you know. And uh, kids go to school. That gives me hope, you know. Women put on makeup, go to work, you know, and uh, providing for their children when men are at the war. So we didn't give up, and that's enough hope to keep moving. When you see that we are still alive, it gives you energy to keep living. You know, I think that's how it works. (laughs) I think that's how it works. And it is an existential struggle between good and evil. And when the history of this era is written and the final victory is won, the world will owe Ukraine and the Ukrainian people a big debt. Olga, thank you so much. And I'm going to give you the last word. Anything else you'd like to tell our listeners? Please stand with Ukraine. We 
proved that we are brave, but we need support of the world to keep going. And we will definitely win this war. And one day we're going to celebrate the victory, the whole world together with Ukraine. Well, I look forward when we can get it arranged to come to Ukraine and visit superhumans and so many of the other wonderful people we're working with at the Clinton Global Initiative who understand how important it is that we stand with you. Thank you so much, Olga, and keep doing that great work. Thank you very much. Waiting for you at Superhumans. It'll be a great present and surprise for our patients and our doctors. To find out more about Superhumans and to donate to support their essential work on the ground in Ukraine, go to superhumans.com. Now, my next guest, I think it's fair to say, is more of a household name. Maybe you first saw him on the big screen in the Scream trilogy, if you're into horror films. Liev Schreiber also wrote and directed the film Everything is Illuminated, which he filmed on location in Ukraine. He's also done a lot of stage work, Shakespeare, the classics, you name it. But I'm talking to him today because of the remarkable way he has stepped out onto the world stage to lend a hand to Ukrainians. Liev is the co-founder and major cheerleader for Blue Check Ukraine, an organization that identifies, vets, and fast-tracks urgent financial support to Ukrainian groups providing critical humanitarian aid on the front lines. Liev also joined us at CGI in September, and I'm really happy to be able to speak to him again. Hello, Secretary Clinton. Hello. How are you doing today? I'm great. We've resolved all of the technical issues. That's always a good sign, Liev. I was really good at this stuff until I hit about 40, <laughs> and then for some reason it just stopped. <laughs> and now I have to find a young person, which is yeah. a clear it, sign. That's of, called uh, evolution, Liev. It's called yeah, evolution. Right. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. I'm not only a fan, which I will confess before we start, of your body of work, but I am a bigger fan because of, you know, the very smart way that you are working to help Ukraine in its uh, struggle against the barbaric invasion uh, by Russia. I would love for you to tell our listeners, what is Blue Check Ukraine? How did you get involved? And what makes it different from other aid organizations? Well, the headline answer is that Blue Check is an effort to fast track financial support primarily to local NGOs in Ukraine. Uh, a humanitarian watchdog group out of the UK called Humanitarian Outcomes published two reports, one last June that reported that of the 2.6 billion that had been donated to Ukraine, only 6 million of that had made it to the actual uh, local NGOs on the ground who arguably are really doing most of the work. They published a new one in May, which said that 1% of the donations were going to these local NGOs. And so that they were recommending really figuring out ways to localize aid because it's these local communities who are most knowledgeable about what the needs are, how to fulfill them, the language, the intelligence, the resources, the personnel. And so Blue Check is really just a group of friends trying to get the message through to people that the Ukrainians are really the best equipped people to help themselves. Mm -hmm. 
And all we need to do is support them, is really to continue to support them. And so I got into it because a friend, <laughs> a friend called me and I'd made a film about Ukraine. And so they thought I would know something about Ukraine, <laughs> which I really don't. I just made a film. And they said, how can we help? And I really didn't know where to send them. So I just thought the normal avenues like uh, Red Cross and mm -hmm. all of these international aid organizations who are all doing great work. The problem is that in a situation like a war, it's very acute and you have to move very, very quickly. Mm -hmm. And a lot of these larger international aid groups, because of their overhead, because of their liability, because they are not always able to work in country, are a little slower to react. And mm -hmm. we've got a situation, as you well know, that um, is very acute. Right. And, and we need to respond as quickly as possible. You know, there's so many important areas of need right now in Ukraine that people can feel overwhelmed. And you've been there. Talk a little bit about what you've actually seen on the ground, because the resilience, the smarts of the Ukrainian people who are trying to deliver this aid is really impressive. They're extraordinary. They really are. We have 22 partners right now. Um, for the most part, we were looking for NGOs that are in Ukraine, but we're also finding people who have volunteered their services, um, extraordinary Americans. There's a guy named Ryan Hendrickson, who I am just so impressed by, who is a retired uh, Special Forces Green Beret Army guy who was injured by a landmine himself. And now he makes these humanitarian missions to Ukraine to demine these villages, mm. uh, which is an extraordinary service to them because obviously he's really knowledgeable in this from given his experience and background. There's another group called Project Victory, which is a, a group of U.S. veterans who have gone over there to basically do everything. They initially came to teach uh, stop bleeding techniques. Uh, and they've gone on to do evacuations, shelter reinforcements. When uh, the Khokhova Dam uh, uh, was destroyed by the Russians, they were our first contacts on the ground who told us that we needed to get water into the populations there. And because these guys are, are veterans, they know how to handle themselves in frontline situations. You know, we pretty much have a group in every oblast in the country with, with a concentration on vulnerable populations, particularly elderly people, women and children, uh, injured civilians, um, we have a group called Sterenki, which is support for the elderly, which is actually quite a big issue in, in terms of the work we do on the front lines because they're the ones who don't leave. Explain that. You talked about that at yeah. CGI, and, and I think a lot of people were surprised because they might have thought, oh, well, first get the elderly out, but the elderly won't leave. They don't want to leave. It's their land. And they're, they're as, as you could understand, Absolutely. actually, you know, these people have built their farms and their homes on these lands. And it's their land, and in their minds, they're not giving it up. And uh, as you mentioned, they're very strong, resilient, and I would add tough people. <laughs> stubborn, they, maybe? <laughs> stubborn a little bit. Um, they're not afraid of the Russians. And so, unfortunately, when you, when you have these missile attacks, it's very often that you see elderly people becoming displaced or losing their homes or getting injured. Uh, so, Sterenki is a group that exclusively works to service them, to evacuate them, to bring unfortunately, because most of them won't evacuate, to bring them warming kits, to bring them food, to reinforce their homes, shelters, things like that. And then, of course, you have the non-material support, you know, like gender-specific aid groups like the Women's Center, because, as you probably know, the men who are of fighting age are all conscripted into military service. So that leaves a lot of these single moms out there. And uh, 
The Women's Center was an extraordinary group that was a, a team of lawyers that was really working for gender equality before the war. And after the war, switched over, mm-hmm. realized that they needed to provide evacuation services, women's health services, counseling, and things like that for mothers and children. So there's a lot. They're doing a lot. They are doing a lot. And, you know, when you hear the stories of what they're up against, it just enrages me. I that it does to you too, um, that here we are, uh, 2023, and we have a regime led by Vladimir Putin that has committed every crime against humanity, every war crime. And I think there's a real need for Americans, all of us, to recognize their fight is our fight. But what got you so motivated to help? Because you've gone pretty far in making the case as to why it their fight is our fight. You know, I, I'm very moved and driven in many ways by my grandfather's generation. That is to say the generation of Americans who fought for democracy in World War II primarily. Uh, I was also very impressed by the ones who fought in the Spanish-American Civil War without an organized military to push back against fascism. And it feels like as I watch this war unfold, on television with my children on the couch, and I saw these sort of normal-looking middle-aged men saying goodbye to their wives and children going off to fight a war in which I'm sure you and I both thought they were vastly outnumbered Mm -hmm. and outgunned, and it, it felt they're not coming back. This is really horrible. And as I thought about it, what they're fighting for, sovereignty, freedom, the right to raise their children the way they want to raise them, to speak the language that they want to speak. Those are American values. And why aren't we in this? It has so little to do with me having some Ukrainian ancestry and everything to do with what I believe American values are and what our place is in in the geopolitical world, Mm -hmm. uh, what we provide, um, what we provide to our own citizens and the opportunity that we present to those who are persecuted. And it just felt, um, you know, after (laughs) having spent the past 20 some odd years of my life being very well rewarded by my career and my life here, that it was the least I could do to respond to something. And the minute that my celebrity, which had really done nothing but bring me misery (laughs) to this point, (laughs) and my children... It makes raising children incredibly difficult, <laughs> oh, as you probably know. Yeah, I can relate to that. Extraordinary <laughs> job. Yeah. It just, it, it suddenly was paying back in dividends. Like, I was able to accomplish things. I was able to speak to people like you. I was able to get the attention of the media. Uh, and I was able to point focus where I felt focus should be pointed. And, and that was an incredibly good feeling. You know, it, it sounds very much like it was... Uh, combination of your head and your heart. I mean, you really brought it all together in this. And and you've actually been to Ukraine. Um, Most of our listeners haven't. And I think you made a film inside Ukraine. Well, I've I've, I've made a few now. Uh, Initially, what I was trying to do was to sort of film the situation on the ground Mm -hmm. in the hopes that I would bring those films back and they would raise money. Yes. Because that's obviously what we're trying to do is we're trying to raise money to fund these organizations. And then once I got to meet President Zelensky and had a, a couple of interviews, and and talks with him, 
we decided together that making a documentary would be useful. So I sat down with the president for a series of interviews and Andre Singer, who made a really wonderful portrait of Gorbachev, worked w- with me on the film also. Has that, has that come out yet? No, it hasn't. We've just finished but the But thank first... you for finishing it. I mean, it's oh, real. Yeah. I, mean, I think we should flood the zone. There needs to be as many documentaries, uh, you know, fictional narratives that uh, are do- kind of docudramas. It's impossible for people to tell unless they've seen it. Yes. Unless they, unless they see it and they feel it. And that's the other thing is I think that we are essentially emotional creatures. Mm-hmm. And uh, you're right to say I came in with my head and my heart. I would say mostly my heart because my head is, is getting thicker at this point in my life. But <laughs> Well, you've taken a lot of blows to it in your you know, film <laughs> career. <laughs> when you feel something, it's true. You know, yes. you know it, it, it exists in your bones. And, and that thing about seeing these stories, I'm, I'm really... I can't begin to say how impressed I am by the Ukrainian people and also um, how concerned I am that they're getting tired and that we need to continue to support them. We'll be right back. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Welcome to Season 9 of Next Question with me, Katie Couric. It is 2024, and we're going to get through this together, folks. My campaign promise to all of you... Here on Next Question, it's going to be a good time the whole time, we hope. I have some big news to share with you on our season premiere featuring Kris Jenner, who's got some words of wisdom for me on being a good grandmother, or in her case, a good lovey. You know, you start thinking of what you want your grandmother name to be. Like, are they going to call me grandma like I called my grandmother? So I got to choose my name, which is now lovey. I'll also be joined by Hillary Clinton, Renee Fleming, Liz Cheney, to name a few. So come on in and take a break from the incessant negativity for a weekly dose of fascinating conversations. Some of them, I promise, will actually put you in a good mood. I loved it. Your energy and joy. I'm squeezing every minute I can for you out of this season of Next Question. Last question, I promise. You have to go. I have to go. (laughs) But it's been so fun. And I can't wait for you to hear it. Listen to Next Question with me, Katie Couric, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You know, when you talk about what you're doing and the fact that you met President Zelensky, describe for our listeners what you thought of him, this youngish man who you know, somewhat improbably got elected president in the first place then gets thrust into wartime leadership, and I see you grinning on the video. Well, no one was expecting President Zelensky's response. No one was expecting that level of courage 
I grin because <laughs> we shared a profession. <laughs> and, and, you know, people say such awful things about actors. Well, here's one, here's one who, who proved his mettle. Um, but no one was expecting that level of courage, frankly. And it's exactly what the world, it's not just what Ukraine needed, it's what the world needed. Those principles and that dignity. That uh, little recording that he made on his phone uh, after the first night, smiling with the other generals, saying, Yatut, Moitut, President Tut. These words in Ukrainian, as you probably know, mean we are here, I'm here, the president's here. We're not going anywhere. And the part that resonated for me, Moitut, we're here, we're here together. That's what matters, that we can face this down. We can stand down bullies. He's not a tall guy. I know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, most people know him as one of the funniest actors to ever come out of the entertainment industry in Ukraine and, and super talented, super intelligent, but not Henry V. And here he, he had the intelligence, he had the dignity, he had the humanity to make the right choice. He knew what the right choice was, that some things are worth putting your life on the line for. And for me, that resonated so deeply with my American values. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. and the, the patriots in our history, in our life, who made our lives possible, I owe them a debt, yeah. you know? And I owe, I owe people like him a debt. And so I was incredibly honored to get to meet him. And, and Madame Zelenska, as you know as well, mm -hmm. is also extraordinary in her own She life. really is, too. Yeah. You mentioned that you were watching Ukraine coverage with your children. I know you've just had a new baby, so I assume it's your two yes. older children, right? Yes. That sounded so important to me that you were watching with your children and talking to them about what they were seeing. What was that experience like, Leo? Uh, I have to admit that it was a selfish one, that I was looking at these people serving their country and I was thinking, what have I done as I sat there with my kids? Yeah. And how, how could I explain our lives in a way that made sense to them? But I also... I think it was important to expose them to the situation. They were old enough, in, uh, in my opinion, Kai was 13 and Sasha was 15, to understand it or at least to, to ask questions and to understand who we are. And by that, I, I don't mean Ukrainian. By that, I mean Americans mm -hmm. and, and, and where, where we fit into something like this and what we do when this kind of uh, barbarism, you know, the, the military strategy that uh, he's employing that uh, attacks not just civilian infrastructure, but medical infrastructure. That's right, hospitals. Uh, intentionally, Ugh. which is why we really, really, really need to keep our eye on Ukraine and to continue to help our brothers and sisters who are, who are fighting for those values. Amen. Well, I can't thank you enough for stepping up and stepping into this uh, important matter and using, you know, your reach to try to keep us all focused on what's really important. Thank you so very much. Thank you, Madam Secretary. To learn more about the work Blue Check Ukraine is doing or to make a donation that they can get directly into the hands of people on the ground in Ukraine doing essential work, go to bluecheck.in. I know that the sheer number of critical hotspots simmering across our globe right now can be overwhelming. And yes, it is hard to follow it all, to make sense of it all, but we cannot look away and we cannot turn inward. 
The fight for Ukraine's freedom is far from over, and it's vital that we not lose focus on the essential need to secure peace and safety for all people. So take care, hold your loved ones close, and let's do everything we can to keep fighting for peace, democracy, and security. You and Me Both is brought to you by iHeart Podcasts. We're produced by Julie Subrin, Kathleen Russo, and Rob Russo, with help from Huma Abedin, Oscar Flores, Lindsay Hoffman, Sarah Horowitz, Laura Olin, Lona Valmoro, and Lily Weber. Our engineer is Zach McNeese, and the original music is by Forrest Gray. If you like You and Me Both, tell someone else about it. And if you're not already a subscriber, what are you waiting for? You can subscribe to You and Me Both on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next week. Welcome to Season 9 of Next Question with me, Katie Couric. I've got some big news to share with you in our season premiere featuring the one and only Kris Jenner. Oh my gosh, congratulations. That is very, very exciting. And that's just the beginning. We'll also be joined by podcast hosts Jay Shetty, Hillary Clinton, Renee Fleming, Liz Cheney, and many more. So come on in, take a break from the incessant negativity for a weekly dose of fascinating conversations. Some of them, I promise, will actually put you in a good mood. Listen to Next Question with me, Katie Couric, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Hi there. I'm Bob Pittman, chairman and CEO of iHeart Media. Welcome to Math & Magic, stories from the frontiers of marketing. This week, I'm talking to the one and only Ryan Seacrest. Love the connection to people. I think at the core, what I get excited about, what gets me up in the morning is connecting with people in an unscripted, unvarnished way. It's getting to, to say something to them, hear back from them, know that I'm part of the routine. And I look forward to getting on the air. I look forward to it. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark, more than ever. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Check the backseat. Check the backseat. All right, come here. Check the backseat. Gets in your head, right? Good. Because every year, dozens of children are forgotten in the backseat of a car by a parent or caregiver. All never thought it could happen to them. But with changes in routines, distractions, or a sleeping child, it can happen to anyone. Parked cars get hot fast and can be deadly. So get it in your head. Check the backseat. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council.